I'm so excited about this devotional book. I think you're really gonna like it. It's gonna show you how to apply God's word to your life. I'm so excited to get started on it. I can't, I can't wait, I can't wait. Oh yeah, okay, what are you doing? What? Hey, Laura! What's up, Michelle? Hey, girl! How's everything going? I'm as good, everything's That's going great. well. That's so exciting. Yeah, it is. You oh. wanna introduce me to your friend? This is my friend, Rachel. Hi, Hi Rachel. I'm Rachel. I'm Laura's friend from church. Oh, that's very nice to meet you. Um, but church? I never thought I would hear that about Laura. I mean, even in college, even if she thought about going to church, she was probably way too hungover anyway. But don't worry, Laura. You'll only burst into flames if you stay too long. <laughs> but it's good for you, I, I guess. Well, I guess I'll let you guys go. It was nice seeing you. We should catch up. Okay. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Bye. Bye. Nice to meet you. Bye. Bye. I'm so sorry. That was so embarrassing. Oh, with Michelle? That was no problem. She seemed nice. Um, well, with that and with how I treated you when she was here, I should have introduced you better. No worries. All's forgiven. It's all part of the growing process. Growing hurts. Yeah, but next time you'll probably handle it a little bit differently. I hope so. So I know she got the whole hand raising thing down. What are you talking about? I was probably just stretching. That's a long time to be stretching. Okay, maybe I wasn't. I'm still thinking that the worship leader's gonna look at me and say, ma'am, do you have a question? <laughs> You're too funny. That won't happen. All right, you wanna go eat? Let's go. Okay, let's go. All right, girl. Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? So good to see you guys this morning. I give, bring greetings to our video audience. Uh, I understand we have people watching from Czechoslovakia this morning, from Germany this morning. So welcome to the bridge this morning. Glad you guys are here. So we've been watching, for those of you that are new, we've been watching Laura go through her journey of, of being a seeker, not even sure that church is for her, to coming to Christ. And today, we've kind of seen her take her first bump in the road, you know, kind of uh, deal. How many of you believe there are going to be more bumps along the way as she continues her journey with Christ? We've been watching her on that journey, and we've been talking about what we're simply calling the journey of life, subtitled Fully Devoted <clears throat> to Become Fully Mature. And we've been getting an understanding of the difference between those two things. So let's just kind of <clears throat> recap a little bit for, uh, for the sake of you that are new and to get the wheels turning for all of us. Fully devoted means simply nothing held back. It means all in. It means I am completely I belong to Jesus Christ. The key verse we've been looking at is 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Let's read it together. It's on the screens. Here we go. One, two, three, go. For the eyes of the Lord march to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is, what? Completely his. So what happens when he sees somebody who is fully devoted, all in, nothing held back? He strongly supports them. That's what it says. And so all the powers of heaven are on your side once you've stepped across that line to being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> then you start on the journey to become fully mature. And that's defined as, here we go, at the appropriate level of development for the current stage of life that you're in. You don't expect a five-year-old to act like a 15-year-old in the natural, but you don't expect a 15-year-old to act like a five-year-old either, right? So there's a maturity that's supposed to take place as we go. And again, the key verse is from Ephesians 4, verse 13 says, we must be like a mature person. Oh, what does that mean? 
to be at the appropriate level of development for the current stage you're in. We read verses like that and we say, must be mature. Oh man, I'm so far from mature, I don't know what to do. Well, this gives you an opportunity to, to ask honest questions about where am I supposed to be in my maturity stage and what's my next step as I move forward. So we must be like a mature person growing until when? Until when? Growing until we become like Christ and have his perfection. So anybody here perfect? Anybody? God bless that hand. God bless that hand. You just lied in church. That's an imperfection. So put your hands down. Any of you just like Jesus? Anybody? Anybody? No takers this morning? And so that means to say that we all have room to grow. Can I get an amen in the house? We all got areas that we need to grow in and get better at. And so let's bring the chart up that we've looked at every week. Fully devoted has three qualifications to it, that you've been reborn, you've established your relationship with Jesus Christ, he's given you a new life, you've settled the authority issues, not just Jesus is my Savior, but he's in charge, he's my Lord, and then ultimately it is committing to grow, committing to this maturity process, this journey of life to become more and more like Christ step by step, day by day, until that day that we get to be with him forever in eternity. And so what we've been doing throughout uh, this whole series is just kind of leaning into that, asking ourselves the honest question, <clears throat> first of all, am I fully devoted? I, and many of us will say yes, one and two. But three, am I really growing? Am I challenging myself? And how do I know if I'm growing? And so then uh, the maturity stages are, are very much akin to the natural stages of life from seeker, which is kind of the, the pre-born stage, the infant, teen, <coughs> adult, and parent level of Christianity. So what we're doing week by week, we'll get into it today, is we're asking ourselves as we understand these stages, is that where I am? Is that the stage that I'm in, understanding that this is, a, this is a no judgment place. We're not here to judge you and say, oh, you should be further along the process than that. that that's between you and God. The only question we're asking is, what are you going to do from this day forward? Are you committed to being honest with yourself about where you are in that journey and then making a commitment to grow, to become more like Jesus Christ? And specifically, what are you doing in order to grow toward him to become everything that he's called you to be? That's a command of God, 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and knowledge. Grow in grace and knowledge, both grace, the graciousness of who Christ is, and knowledge, what does the Bible actually say of Jesus Christ? The Bible says he is the word. So we're learning more about him. We're learning more about his character. We're learning more about his teachings. And therefore, we are growing in maturity day by day by day. Okay? So today, we're talking about the teen stage. We're kind of unpacking what the teen stage looks like. We're just real simple, straightforward. We're going to understand it a little bit. And we're going to ask ourselves, if, if, if that's where I am, what am I going to do? to move forward through these stages. So the question becomes, <clears throat> what, what are teenagers like? We've been comparing the natural to the spiritual. So, so what are natural teenagers like? Be nice, come on. <laughs> what are natural teenagers like? Uh, Eric Erickson, a, a psychologist, says that there are two primary characteristics of teenagers. He says ego and role are the two primary characteristics. Ego, who am I? And who am I becoming? And role, where do I fit in the world? What, what is my place in the world? And those are the two things that quite often teenagers struggle with. Those are the things that they're processing through. I actually see three characteristics in Scripture, uh, and, and then I see three spiritual parallels. So let's just unpack those three 
quickly, and then we're going to talk about what do teenagers need. What, what do they need to do? If you recognize yourself in the teenage role, or as we did last week, if you're further down the road and you have some spiritual teenagers in your life, what do you need to do to help them grow? What are the things that we need? That's what we're going to focus on today. So let's unpack it quickly, okay? We've got a chart. Natural teens are, first of all, self-conscious. Is that true? Last week, we said that, that infants were self-centered. Is that the same thing, self-centered and self-conscious? It's not the same thing, is it? Self-centered means the only thing I see is me. Self-conscious means that I'm beginning to see the rest of the world, and I'm wondering where, you know, we're still looking through the lens of ego, but where do I fit in this wide world? And we're starting to ask hard questions, uh, kind of like, why are some girls prettier than me, or why are some people smarter than me, and why are some people more popular than me? You know, we, we see somebody we kind of like, and, and we don't have the courage to go talk to them, so we send a friend and say, I kind of like her. Would you go find out if she likes me and come back and tell me what I wouldn't go back to the seventh grade for a million dollars. I'm telling you, I would not. <laughs> Amen? No way I'm going back to that stuff. I actually won an award in the seventh grade. Uh, you know, the superlative awards, most likely to succeed and all that kind of stuff. I, I, in, in, in seventh grade, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time, and they did spoof superlative awards at the end of the seventh grade, and I won the most athletic award. Which is kind of funny now, but at the time I wanted to crawl under my desk because I was not very coordinated in the seventh grade. Not sure I am now, but it doesn't matter as much to me now as it did then. It can be incredibly painful when we start getting compared to the other people around us. And sometimes there are scars that carry uh, for the rest of our lives. We become very self-conscious uh, during this season of our lives. The second characteristic of a natural teenager is we are invincible. Is that true? Well, at least we think we are. You know, we can do anything and never get hurt. Nothing's going to come back on us or no consequences. And, and, and I know that's the way it was for me. I did some incredibly stupid stuff when I was a teenager. And no, I'm not going to tell you any of those stories because it ain't none ya. <laughs> ain't none ya business. It's under the blood and it's behind me. It's just the grace of God that I'm here to talk to you today. That's all I'll say. And I dare say all of us have stories. The third characteristic of a natural teen, you tell me if it's true, is that they're independent. They have this idea of, you know, I'm ready to make adult decisions when they don't even understand the questions, much less know the answers. <coughs> How many of you ever parented a teenager? Well, you know exactly what I'm talking about then. Uh, and, and let me just tell you, one of the mistakes that I see an awful lot of parents make, and I made them as well, is it tends to be one of two extremes. They either go all authoritative and kind of do this, uh, uh, you know, well, as long as you put your feet under my table, you're going to do what I say. Or they wimp out and say, well, I just want us to be friends. And I'm here to tell you something, guys. Your, your, your teenage kids need more than friends from you. Friends come and go. But I got one mama, one daddy, and they need you to be mama and daddy in their lives. The result, of course, of doing that badly is that parental authority is either absent or too harsh. Uh, and it can be a tough balance to strike. I know it can be, particularly when teenagers don't ever like to be told what to do, ever, <laughs> right? So how do, you parallel, how do you parallel those three natural 
characteristics with spiritual characteristics. Let's go back to our, to our little chart here and let's see if we can parallel them. They're, as natural teenagers, they are self-conscious. As spiritual teens, they become aware of others. It's the same kind of dynamic, but now the, the Lord's begun to work in their heart and they begin to be aware of the people that are around them. I love it when, when kind of new Christians come to me and say, Pastor, I have parents, I have, I have brothers and sisters, I have neighbors that, that don't know Jesus and, and I would love to help them to know the Lord. I, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. Can you tell me what to do? Can you go talk to them for me? And what they're saying to me is I'm becoming aware of more than just me. I'm becoming aware that there are needs. Or they'll come to me sometimes and they'll say, Pastor, I see a need in our community and we have to do something about that. What they're saying is you have to do something about that, you know. And so when I say tag, you're it, they kind of panic on me, go, oh, no, I can't do that. I just see the need. Both of those are signs that you're growing, that you're moving past the what do I need stage, which is legitimate for infants in Christ, to the, uh, to the I see needs around me stage, which is legitimate for teenagers, even if you don't know what to do. And so once you get past the, the little bump in the road, like Laura did on our video, where, where you're kind of embarrassed to tell your f- before Christ friends about your new life in Jesus, and you kind of get over that, quite frankly, teenagers become some of the best evangelists in the church. They still get lots of friends that don't know the Lord, and they go back and they tell their friends and say, here's what's going on in my life, and they start asking hard questions, and the teenage Christian just says, I don't know, but I'm still new to this too. I just know this is who I was, and then I met Jesus, and here's what's going on now, and they just start telling their story, and before you know it, they say, well, come to church with me. You've got to come check this out. Oh, no, I, I'm not a church person. You, you ain't been to the bridge yet. I mean, <laughs> this ain't what you're thinking when you say church, and this ain't what you're picturing. These are just ordinary people going through life told somebody this morning, we take what we do very seriously. We don't take ourselves very seriously at all. And I love that about our church. The second characteristic of natural teenagers was they were invincible. How does that parallel with spiritual teens? That's the season when you begin to break free from some of the junk that that held you back, that held you down before you came to Christ. That's when strongholds begin to be broken. That's when habits and lifestyles begin to change. During the teen years, there's a strength. In fact, uh, 1 John calls the the teenagers the the strong man. And so there's a strength that comes during this season. So let's let's slow down a little bit. I want to unpack this one a little bit more because I want to make sure you get it. And if any of you are in this stage, uh, then, then I want to help you because here's what happened to me as I approached the teen stage of my Christian experience 40 none of your business years ago. Uh, nobody taught me this stuff. Nobody taught me that that's a normal part of the spiritual growth process. And so every time I bumped into one of those before Jesus things and I did it badly, I thought I was lost again. And I went back to church the next Sunday, and I got saved again. Come on. How many times did you go to the altar in the early days of your Christian experience and get saved all over again because there's no way God loves me having what I did this week? Bunch of liars. Come on. You know you did. It's just reality. So understand the journey, guys. Romans 12 lays it out in, in real succinct terms. Romans 12:1. therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What is that? That's the infant stage. Stepping across the line and, and your very life becomes an act of worship. Then he moves to the teen stage. Verse 2. 
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Step one is the infant stage, starting a new life with Christ. Step two is the teen stage. You recognize that there's a transformation that needs to take place. There's a moving away from the old lifestyle and the old value systems that ultimately brought death and embracing a new lifestyle and a new value system that leads to life and that life more abundantly, that life more fulfilling. There's a transformation from hopelessness and greed and drama and all that junk to, uh, to where Jesus is Lord and life uh, and love reigns supreme in your heart. Now hear me, Satan knows that if he can get you to stay stuck in the old value systems and the old lifestyles, just pause there for a minute. Satan knows if he can keep you stuck in those old ideas, those old attitudes, those old lifestyles, those old values, you will eventually drift back into them. He knows that. And we're not here to judge you. We're not here to beat you up. We're not here to give you a hard time. We are here to help you understand that if it's the fulfilling life that Jesus promised that you want, if it's the abundant life that Jesus promised that you want, then this is part of the journey of getting sincere and honest about where am I and what am I going to do. Hear me, guys. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Did I say nobody? Nobody can live in both worlds very long. My heart tells me that some of you are trying, and it's exhausting. You can't live in both very long. I mean, that's what kept the church at Corinth in such bondage, in such sinful bondage. That's why Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. Let's look at it together. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would uh, to mature Christians, I had to talk to you as though infants in, in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't handle anything stronger. When I was there before, you were infants, and I understood that about you, so I taught you the foundational stuff. I, I fed you with milk because that's all you could tolerate at that time. And you still aren't ready, he says. Here's, the, here's the, the crutch of this thing, okay? And you still aren't ready, he says, for you're still controlled by your sinful desires. You're jealous of one another, quarreling with each other. You're acting like people who don't belong to the Lord. You see what Paul's saying to them? I mean, these are hard words. When he wrote the second letter to the church at Corinth, he said, I'm really sorry that my words hurt you in the first letter, but I'm not sorry I said it because you needed to hear it. And what's he saying to them? He, he's saying, there's something wrong here. I understand that you were infants at one point, but years have passed by, and you're still infants. You haven't grown up at all. He's saying that God looks at us just like parents look at their children. If your child... Uh, doesn't grow, doesn't develop, doesn't form, what do you do? You, you start getting worried, don't you? You start, Something must be wrong here because there ought to be some growth going on. There ought to be some development going on. They ought to be feeding themselves by now or saying words or taking first steps. Or, there ought to be some attempts to read. There ought to be some things going on in their lives. And if they don't, then we go try to get some help. We go to a doctor. We go to a psychologist. We go to somebody. Go to a teacher. We sit down with somebody saying, I'm just not sure what's going on with my kid. Why? Because we expect growth to take place. That's how God looks at us. Now, nobody's suggesting that's an easy journey. Please understand it's not. 
And there's, we coined the phrase growing pains for a reason because it can be a hard journey. But I am here to tell you guys the power to grow is available to you. You don't have to do this in your own power. You don't have to do this in your own willpower. The power to grow is available to you. Romans 8, 1, 2, and 3. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. In other words, we didn't come here to beat you up. There's no condemnation if you've committed your life to Christ. But the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. God put into effect a plan to save us. He sent his own son in a humanly body like ours. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. That just says, Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, so you can too. You don't have to live in that bondage. You don't have to live in that old junk. You don't have to live in those old value systems. You don't have to live in those old addictions. You don't have to live in the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that defined your life in the past. They don't have to define your life in the future because of Jesus. He gave his life to pay for your sins, and because he rose from the grave, the same power that God used to raise him from the grave is available to you. Don't live there anymore. Can I beg you, don't live there anymore. Get mad at the devil and put your foot down and say, I will not live there anymore. Come on. Whew. I love it. I love it when people come and tell me stories, and, and sometimes they're embarrassed to tell me because they think I'm going to judge them or something. Because, well, you know, here's what I was dealing with, and now I'm, I'm just, I'm finally breaking free from that. And I just go, yes, that's right. You got it. You got it. Remember the guy that came to me one Sunday morning, tears flowing, and he said, I got it today, Jim. I got it. And I said, what'd you get, man? He said, I'm not following you. I'm following Jesus. I said, you got it. You got it love those stories. So let's just get, let's get real honest about this thing for a minute, okay? I've heard stories over the years of people who came to me and said, you know what, I've had to, I've had to deal with my language. I've had to deal with my words. I've had to deal with the words that I allow to come into my mind and stay there and the words that I've allowed to come out of my mouth. I remember one adolescent Christian, teenage Christian that came to me, he was about my age, but he came to me one day in tears and he said, Pastor Jim, I just need to say it to you so you can pray for me because I, I choose not to live there anymore. He was in a business meeting with a group of business people and at the end of the conversation, one of them said, you know, I think I, you, you seem familiar to me. Do I know you from somewhere? And he said, I don't think we've ever met before. He said, do you go to community church by any chance? Wayne said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And it washed all over him that he'd used every foul word you can think of during the course of that meeting. And now suddenly he's confronted with the reality that this guy has seen him in church and he's living in both worlds. And he said, Jim, I choose not to live there anymore. Pray for me that I'll break free from that. Some of you need to break free from that. And it may not be profanity for you. It may not be cussing. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's critical spirit. Understand the only thing you're doing when you hold on to those old ways, those old values, those old attitudes, is you're keeping yourself in bondage from growing. That's all you're doing. You're not hurting the people that you're lashing out at. You're just hurting 
yourself. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So you, you heard that verse, you read that verse, you say, maybe you're sitting here right now or you're watching online, and you're going, that's, I, well, that's my verse, and I'm going to change. I'm going to change the way I talk. I'm going to change my attitude toward words and the power of words. I'm going to confess that. I'm going to repent of that. I'm going to accept God's offer of power to break that in my life, and I'm going to change. Some of you have already been down that journey, and, and you've changed. I went that, down that journey many years ago, and so if I'm doing carpentry work now, which I love to do, you know, as a kind of as a hobby, and I hit my thumb with a hammer, I, you know, those kind of words don't come out of my mouth. Christian cuss words come out of my mouth now. You know, like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Just kind of replace the vocabulary, that's all. Others of you have broken free from the party scene. That's where your collection of friends were. And so you'd go on Saturday night and, and party and hang out, then come on Sunday morning and wash your face and hope nobody sees that you're a little bit hungover. And if that's where you are and you're sitting here right now, we are so glad you're here. You've come to the right place. I love it when people come to the bridge and they're barely sober enough to have driven here or they got somebody to drive them because they weren't sober enough to be here. I love that. You are here. And if I walk up to you and say hi and I smell a little bit of burnt wire around you, okay, glad you're here. But get free. Get free. That's all I'm saying. Some of you have finally dealt with some of the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups of your life that have held you down. You've finally forgiven and, and found a new definition based on who you are in Jesus Christ. Is this resonating, guys? Talked to Pastor Jimmy this week. We've got close to 130 people in several different venues now in Celebrate Recovery. These are, these are people who are saying, I'm done with that old life. Come on, let's celebrate that. One of those Celebrate Recovery sessions is in our Bridge to Hope. If, you're a part, if you, you, you need that, get into it. Tuesday nights, Bridge to Hope. Talk to Pastor Jimmy. Email us. We'll get you set up with that. Another one's at the Wayne Pregnancy Center now. We've got another one in the women's prison. We're, we're just helping people to break free. That's what this church is all about. Now, hear me. i got to move on, but uh, nobody's saying this is easy. I mean, that's why they call it a spiritual battle. That's why they call it spiritual warfare. I mean, sometimes, guys, let's be honest, change can be incredibly difficult. It can be really, really hard. Sometimes we look around and it looks like everybody else is just kind of in a, you know, in a raft on a lazy river floating down with a margarita in their hands. You know, life is chill for them and, and we're struggling to fight upstream. I mean, change can be hard. It can be incredibly difficult. Why is it so hard? Because we're not talking about a superficial change of behavior. We're talking about a deep-seated change of who you are. I talked about this subject some time ago and, and actually had a member of my staff who was my age came to me after the service and he said, Jim, I'm just such, under such incredible um, conviction this morning because I realized while you were talking that I am a, I am a card-carrying, joke-telling, slander-spewing racist. And I got to change i got to change. And I prayed with him and 
talk with him a little bit about some things that he might be able to do to begin to bring that change. I showed him John 13, 35, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. The whole unbelieving world gets to decide whether we are followers of Jesus Christ solely on the basis of whether we love one another and not just one another who looks alike, dresses alike, has skin color alike, smells alike, but we love one another. Come on. The next week he came to me and said, Pastor, I need some time off. I said, okay, what's the deal? He said, I, I, I need to take a sabbatical. I need to take six weeks. If you can hold my job for me, that's great. If you can't, then I, I get it, but I need six weeks. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I've been to an African-American pastor in town, and I've asked him if he will mentor me. And for the next six weeks, he and I are going to meet every morning, and I'm going to attend their services, and I'm going to be in church with them for six weeks in a predominantly black church, and I'm going to break this cycle in my life. Come on. Last I heard from Rick, he was a missionary to northern Africa, to the country of Chad. Now, I'm not saying God's going to send you to the foreign lands as a missionary if you go on this journey, but I am telling you, Rick's free. He's free from those old prejudices that were drilled into him as a young man. He's free, but it wasn't an easy journey to get there. Not saying change is easy. I'm just saying God calls us to it, and if you want the abundant life that he promised, um, then, then you've got to embrace it. And why? Because he wants it for you, but he also wants, he, he's got this amazing plan for the whole world to bring the whole world into relationship with Jesus Christ. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Ephesians 1, one day everything will be brought under the administration of Jesus Christ. He's got this amazing plan to bring the world back to him having fallen apart in the Garden of Eden and he's using us to do it. But he can't give the keys to the kingdom to immature Christians any more than you can give the keys to your car to a baby. Does that make sense? And so we have to challenge these things. We have to ask ourselves, what changes do I need to make as I work my way through the teen stage? Am I willing to learn what God actually says? Am I willing to repent in the areas that the Bible shows me I've been wrong? Do I actually believe that change is possible? And will I commit to the process so that I can ultimately be free and one day find the abundant life and then be used by God to accomplish what he put me on this planet to do? If you are, I've already mentioned, it, I'll say it again, the same power that God used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you to help you change. But I challenge you in Jesus' name as lovingly as I know how to embrace the journey, embrace the challenge, and find fresh starts. Natural teenagers, let's go back to our chart, we've got to move on. Natural teenagers tend to be self-conscious and think they're invincible and they tend to be very independent. Spiritual teens are aware of others. They have the power to begin to break free from this stuff and put it behind them. But they also struggle with authority. Is that true? Yeah, natural teenagers and spiritual alike uh, tend to struggle with authority. And the Bible is clear on both terms. Parents, it's our job to be a loving authority in our natural teenager's life. And church, it's our job to establish leaders. 
It's, it's part of our job to establish spiritual leaders in the house of the Lord. The Bible gives them different terms and different titles, different roles. Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas were appointed by the elders and sent out. Ephesians 4 talks about apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, evangelists. Paul wrote to, to Timothy and talked about bishops and presbyters. I mean, there's all kinds of titles for it. But whatever you call them, God gave these men and women a call and a gift, and he gave these men and women to us, the church, as a gift. And we're called to follow their lead. Do you believe that? Ephesians 13, 17, it's not my word, it's his. It says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Break that down a little bit. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying that they were given to us by God, and our job is to submit to their authority to follow them. Then the next verse says that it's their job to help us on this journey, to to help us grow through these processes. And, yes, every leader will give an account to God for how they led. So I'm going to stand before God with whether I tell you the truth from this stage. And I know sometimes these truths are hard truths. I understand sometimes I teach you things that just fly in the face of, well, I don't want to change. I get that. But I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account for whether I taught you the truth or not. And then, what's the next step in the journey? Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. In other words, you get to decide whether my job is easy or not. Please make it easy. (laughs) Please make it easy. I'm just saying that the more you embrace these truths from God's Word, the easier my job is. And if you don't, what does it say? That would be of no advantage to you. Who loses when we don't get this? Everybody does. Everybody does. And this is the system that God established. He put spiritual leaders in our lives. They're led by God. And yes, they will give an account to God uh, for the way they led. We get to decide whether we're going to submit to them or not and make their job easy or not. And if we make it hard, everybody loses. Let me say four things quick and we're going to move on because I really want to get into needs, and I see what time it is. We're going to walk through this, okay? Four things. First of all, anytime there's a leader in place that shouldn't be there, there's always an appropriate way, an appropriate way, an appropriate way to address it. Gossip is not one of them, okay? Two, no leader is above question. No leader is above question. I've told our elders, not only do you have permission to question me, I challenge you to question me. It's your job to question me. If you see anything in me, if you just see a look on my face, if you hear me say something, I fully expect you to turn me around and say, whoa, Jim, what's going on? Why? Because no leader is above question ever. And any leader who thinks they are forfeits their right to lead under God's covering. Number three, if actions will need to be taken, I promise you they will be here. Whether it's popular or not, if actions need to be taken, they will be here. And then finally, listen, the Bible is clear. Listen, please listen. The Bible is clear. Refusing to submit to the spiritual authority of the leaders that God has placed in your life is equal to refusing to submit to the authority of God's Word. 
It's part of the journey through our teen stage because we chafe at authority, but it's part of the growth process. You can't have authority in the kingdom of God unless you can submit to authority in the kingdom of God. That's how it works. So let's go back to our chart. We'll bring this in for a landing in a really important way. Simple truth is we all have needs. Whether you're in the natural or you're in the spirit, we all have needs. So let's walk it back in reverse. If you are talking about this independent streak, struggling with authority, then your need simply is to trust your spiritual parents. Trust your spiritual parents. Lean into them. Respect them. Honor them. Listen to them uh, and help them to help you. I remember my own spiritual father. Many of you know Dr. Herbert Carter, who unfortunately is at that stage of life where his mind is is not what it was by any means, but uh, but there were so many times as a young pastor coming along, Dr. Carter would say something to me, and I would be so mad. How dare he speak to me that way? I deserve to be treated better than that. I, had my, I am a pastor in the kingdom of God. How dare he speak to me that way? But I respected him enough that I listened. I honored him enough that I thought about his words, and 24 hours later I went, he's right. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Carter. You're right. I'm sorry. I'll learn and grow. We need that, and we need those people in our lives. Listen to them, not just respect them, but honor them. 1 Timothy 5, 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. I'm just saying I threw that in for fun. Pastor Appreciation Month is October. I'm just saying that's not far away. Throw it in there. Natural teenagers think they are invincible. That strength becomes, come back to the chart, that strength becomes an opportunity to begin to break free. So what's your job if you're in the teen stage? What do you need? You need to learn what the board actually says. You, you need to study the book. You need to stop waiting for the movie and actually read the book. and <laughs> See what the book says because there are things in Scripture that will surprise you. Now, understand, every one of us, you may have been rocked in a hole in this cradle. I, you know, I went to church when I was 10 days old. I don't think I've missed 10 Sundays since. But I've got ideas about God that came from Sunday school, former teachers and preachers, Hollywood, the streets, seminary, Bible college, and some of those ideas conflict with each other. Any of you relate to that? So where do you go for your answers? You go to the Bible. Because your old teachers are not the authority. Hollywood's not your authority. The Bible is the authority. So you've got to learn what the book says. 2 Timothy 2.15, work hard so God can say to you, well done. Be a good workman, one who does not need to be ashamed when God examines your work. Know what his word says and means. Remember 2 Peter, grow in grace and knowledge. Know what it says and means. Again, I've mentioned this a couple of times in the series. I'll mention it again because September we start the promotional period. That's why we re, re, re easy for you to say, reworking our whole small group system into a semester system, curriculum-based, 
so that you have the opportunity to evaluate where you are and the subjects that you need, and then you can sign up for a semester to get into a small group that's dealing with the topics that you need to deal with. The very topic we're talking about today, Romans 12, 1 and 2, there's going to be a small group this fall led by one of our elders that, based on Chip Ingram's true spirituality where it just walks through Romans 12 and just unpacks it in detail. That's a great study for some of you, particularly if you're in the teen stage of your Christian experience, but it's a great one for all of us to consider. So there's going to be a whole, all through the month of September, we'll be talking to you about the things that are offered uh, throughout the, the fall semester, and, and we're asking you to sign up and get into one. We're not asking you to commit for the rest of your life. These groups meet on different nights of the week. Some of them meet every week, some of them every other week. We're just saying do a study during the semester, and we're asking you to get into it. Why? Because the only way you can know what the owner's manual says is if you read the owner's manual. But most of us would rather just see the pictures and figure it out as we go. Read the manual. Finally, natural teens are self-conscious. They're aware of the needs around them. So what's your job? It's find your niche and serve. Understand that we don't talk a lot around here about joining a serve team because we need you. Do we need you? Sure, but that's not why we do it. Why do we do it? Because God puts you on this planet not to consume everything he blesses you with. He put you here to give some of it away. And our job is to create environments where you can do that based on your calling and your gifts and your abilities. And so every Christian, I'm just go to the natural. Every child, when they grow, they start out and, and they need everything. They need to be fed and clothed and cleaned and, and taken care of. But as they grow, we start giving them chores. And all the parents in the room said, yeah, that's right, we'll give them chores. They don't do them, but we give them to them, all right? So it's tie your own shoes, it's, it's make your own bed, it's clean your room, it's get your homework done. And then eventually it gets to the place where, where who am I and what am I going to do with my life? I remember as a, as a young Christian, 18, 19 years old, struggling with this, what am I going to do with my life now? I debated about so many different options and came close to making commitments in two or three different areas. And then when the Lord called me to, to preach, I was overwhelmed and humbled. But in some ways, I was relieved that I finally knew what it is that I was going to do with my life. There's just that's part of the journey, guys, to figure that out. But here's what I know, and i got to move. Whatever our gifts and calling, 1 Peter 4.10 applies to all of us. Each of you, come on, read it with me. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to make a lot of money. What? Why did you laugh? To consume a lot of stuff. To win a lot of trophies. Stop me when I get to the right answer. To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And that's why we provide service opportunities at every level. In our small groups, there'll be opportunities to serve. Maybe you're not ready to be a small group leader, but you can be a small group host. You can be a small group refreshments person. Their way, you know, some of you, if I ask you to host a group and, and have some refreshments when they get to your house, you would say, man, that's right up my alley. I love that kind of stuff. But then if I were to say, oh, by the way, we're going to have a banquet for 1,500 people, would you organize it? You would have a heart attack and die. <laughs> right? 
But that doesn't mean you don't have the gift of hospitality that needs to be used. So you can do it on a small group level before you do it on a celebration level. That's why we have test drive. I, I met some people on test drive this morning. They're out there just checking it out, finding some areas that they may get involved in, getting a feel for what it is. We want to make it as easy as we can for you. Because ultimately, you're going to stand before God, and he's going to say, how did you use the gifts and talents that I give you to serve others? I've got to close. Here's what I'm going to say. God put us all here on purpose. Regardless of the circumstances of your birth or upbringing, God has purpose for your life and meaning. There's something worthwhile that you need to do with your life, and he divined it, designed it, while you were in your mother's womb. Your job is to commit to becoming more and more like Christ and in the process be transformed so you can figure out what that is, what is pleasing and perfect will of God. And we're here to help you in the journey of life. All we're asking you to do is engage in it because here's what happens. I'll close. Ephesians 4, 14. We read 13 a minute ago. Let's read 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. We can know that the old values and the old attitudes and the old bondage is behind us. We're living the abundant life in Christ. Let's pray. Father, You know who we are. You know where we are in our spiritual journey. You know everyone in this room, everyone watching online. You know exactly where we are. And all I'm asking you to do is show us what you know. Even as the psalmist David prayed, turn the searchlight of heaven on us and show us what's our next step in this growth toward maturity journey. And then help us to take those steps. Lord, for the teenagers that are listening, The people that are in that stage of their own Christian experience, I pray, Lord, that they would lean into the things we've talked about and just simply say yes to you. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer with me before we close. Pray silently, pray aloud, but just... Just say these simple words. Say them in your own words. That's fine. But just something like this. Jesus, I'm yours. I want to be all in, follower of Jesus Christ, fully devoted. And part of that, I realize, is to grow to maturity. So show me where I am for real in this journey. And if I've identified today with the characteristics of a spiritual teenager. Help me to be honest with myself and to embrace the change journey. Help me to become more like Jesus. Help me to become more like Jesus. Help me, Lord, to become more like you. In Jesus' name. While your heads are bowed, there may be someone here or watching online 
that you've never stepped across the line of faith. You've never said, I choose to follow Jesus Christ. I can't close this service without giving you a chance to pray. Say, Lord, I want to be born again. I want a new life. I want you to show me the way to go, and yeah, I want to grow up. So would you forgive me of my sins and give me a fresh start today? Forgive me for rejecting you and going my own way. Give me a fresh start today. And let this new life that you're giving me, one marked with love and grace and life and abundance, so that I can give it back to you as an act of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? So glad that you came to the house of the Lord today. I pray that as we process through this stuff, I know it's a lot of academic study, but I hope that it's more than that. I hope it's a life-changing reflection on where you are in your journey and that together we'll all grow more and more like Christ every day. God bless you as you go. The altars are open. You may need to pray with somebody before you leave here today and seal some commitments in prayer. I mentioned during the sermon that I had a couple of people, many people over the years come to me and say, Pastor, here's an area that I'm struggling with and I'm ready to change. It's that prayer of agreement that starts the journey. So come, let this prayer team pray with you today before you leave this place. God bless you guys. We'll see you next weekend as we continue.